the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today. Bible scholar and attorney David Gibbs, legal counsel for Maranatha Bible Church, participated in a question and answer Bible study with Pastor Rander Draper. In his own words, Attorney Gibbs likes to help people with real problems through the uncompromising application of God's Word. Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 teaches us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not our human, finite understanding, and to acknowledge Him in all things as He directs our paths. Through application of this in all Scripture, He serves as an advocate for Christ in all matters presented to Him. Listen in as Attorney Gibbs and Pastor Draper engage in this thought-provoking, biblical dialogue. Scriptures will be referenced, so keep pen and paper ready. Now let's listen in. And here's the temptation of what I call the more contemporary slash carnal church movement. Lower the price and more people will show up. Now here's a little concern here. You never out Walmart, Walmart. Because every time you lower the price, there's somebody willing to go even lower. And so I say to y'all, how do you sell? Now, now hear me out. How do you sell something that's expensive? Okay. If somebody says, you know, Mercedes-Benz makes a car and so does Chevrolet. Why would anybody buy a Mercedes-Benz? Because, I mean, it's so much more money. And, you know, I mean, they both got tires and steering wheel and engines. And, okay, I mean, same basic transportation. Well, the way Mercedes, I mean, Mercedes says, hey, if you want a Chevrolet, God bless you. Look at the quality. And they talk about how this is just so much better and safer. And the way you sell something expensive is you have to convince people of the quality. And so in a church like this, I would encourage you, don't get sucked up in trying to put everyday low prices around. But convince folks that, you know what, when you want a family that walks with God, you want kids that will rise up and call you blessed. You want to be in a church with a man of God. You, you want to be in a ministry where there's real quality. Oh, yeah, we, we meet more than once a week. And, oh, yeah, we do encourage our folks to tithe and give. And we, we pray and we try to walk with God. But there's a quality that that high price is well worth. You know something? My mama, they've been at the church, Friendship Baptist Church, I think about 55 years. And from that generation, that was very, it's very common. People were there a long time. The pastor can be good, bad days. Things happen. They stay together. People fall out. Then they love each other all over again. And they didn't go nowhere. They say, why is everything so, why can't people, what happened? I mean, people, I, we're talking about loyalty. I mean, they jump from church to church. 
they don't believe in church membership anymore. They kind of, uh, they, they, they bounce around. And if you hurt their little feelings or they think it's a perception or whatever, they're gone. What's happening here? Well, you're, you're touching on, Pastor, that consumer mindset. Okay? I mean, the reality is if I were to quiz the people in this room, are you a Ford person? Are you a Chevy person? Are you a Honda person? Or, and, and the reality is you may have a car you like. You may even have a brand you like. But if somebody were to say, well, here's kind of basically the same thing for a whole lot less money, most of you would be like, yep, sorry, brand, I'm off to this new one. And that, unfortunately, that consumerism has permeated, I mean, it's permeated lots of relationships in the medical world, the professional world, the business world, the sales world, and it's come over to the church world. Now, I would challenge you on this thought. Jesus is very relational. And by the way, how many believe our relationship with Jesus is what anchors us to a church like this? And then Jesus wants us to develop relationships with each other. By the way, how many believe when you get married, God would like that to last? When you have kids, God would like to have that last. I mean, he doesn't want you to abandon, to depart, to, to say, you know. I mean, candidly, every parent could walk. I mean, you ever been tempted to kill your kid? <laughs> I mean, the reality is you just say, you know, it is too much trouble. I'm out of here. <laughs> But you say, well, no, I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a grandparent. This, I'm, I'm in this. Okay, I'm in this relationship, and I'm going to, you know, this is something that I treasure from the Lord. I would encourage you. Now, obviously, you can move, and, and there can be different situations. But the bottom line is, when you're in a church, view it as a more important relationship than just a consumer decision. Thank you. We, we're very, we're in a very litigious society. Folk will sue you for anything. Yes, you looked at me too long. I'm going to sue you. Should we fear lawsuits and how do churches protect themselves from them? Great question. And, and let me answer it two ways. You should not fear because how many believe the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear? Okay, so I want to, and I'm not criticizing his question. I just want to make sure as I answer this. But here's the bottom line. Churches now get sued like any other business. Now, that was not how it used to be. If you go back, and I, I realize we're going way back beyond most of us here, but in the 50s or 60s, nobody sued a church. They didn't even steal from the church. Oh, they didn't steal. They didn't, you know, I mean, they, and, and let me tell you why. The church was viewed as owned by God. Mm-hmm. And who would have the right to take God's money? That's, by the way, why churches don't pay taxes. What government, what authority would be over the top of the church? Now, fast forward to today, we've kind of eliminated God. And evolution has helped that a little bit because we don't really need a creator anymore. It's just a big accident. And your church is no longer owned by God. It's a nice, in the eyes of the law, Nonprofit organization for religious, educational, charitable purposes run under rules and regulations. And now all of a sudden people can come forward and sue the church like they can sue a McDonald's, like they can sue any other hotel or other business. Now, his next part, how do we protect ourselves? And this church, by the way, does excellent on this, and we've partnered with you a long time on this. But how many believe churches need to do everything they can to prevent lawsuits? Mm -hmm. Now, here's a little line. 
Uh, tomorrow we're doing a leadership seminar for some other pastors, and, and we'll talk about some things churches can do. But if somebody comes up and says, I don't ever want to get sued, you basically have to die. <laughs> I mean, that's really the only way to totally... And by the way, there are churches that have died. I mean, they show up, they're on so much life support, nobody's going to sue them anyway. I mean, there's nothing there to sue. And by the way, a typical lawyer, insurance agent, risk manager type, you know what they're going to say? Don't do it. We ought to do a camp and help kids. Don't do that. Kids don't have money. Camps are risky. Don't mess with that. We, we want to do outreach. Don't reach out. Those people don't want to come, you know, coddle the people with money. I mean, that would be how a typical risk manager would focus. But how many believe that would be displeasing to the Lord? Amen. So our philosophy at the NCWL and what we stand with your pastor in is maximum ministry. Do everything God called you to do, but then do it with minimal liability. And so we encourage folks to make sure there, there's a smart way and a less smart way to do everything. Uh, should we have children's ministry? Absolutely. Should we let convicted child molesters teach Sunday school? You know, I don't think that's such a good idea. I haven't thought about it, but probably not. <laughs> okay, well, that's why we, we screen and we put policies in. We have two worker rules. We, we do things. Now, does that mean some kid couldn't lie? No, but it does mean if a lawsuit comes we can have ourselves in the best position to, number one, protect the assets of the church. We want to be good stewards. Number two, to protect all our workers and our volunteers, our staff. But then number three, let's make sure whenever we do these things, we also want to protect the people we serve. Okay. I'm going to believe if a child is safe anywhere, they should be safe at church. Amen. Amen. Good. good. Thank you. What input. As you represent churches and ministries around the country, what reoccurring challenges do you often encounter? Churches that want to start doing something well, but then they don't put the systems in place to keep it going. Okay, I mean, there, there'll be churches that say, we want to make sure our children's ministry is safe. And they'll get all worked up for a couple of weeks, but then they don't have the ongoing where they make sure that their teachers are safe, that there's training, that they're... And so getting things systematized. We don't want anybody stealing our money, well, let's get two guys to count the offering. Okay, but then they kind of stop. Yeah, it's just easier. Stick it in this lady's purse. She'll take it home. She'll count it. <laughs> Once she gets around to it, I'm out. <laughs> and then you go, well, she just stole some money. Ah, I didn't see that coming. Well, you created a lot of opportunity. <laughs> you know, and so the, you know, kind of just getting interested for a while but not really having, I, I call it sprinter mindset. Run, 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 run. Ah, I'm done running. But how many believe we're in a marathon? And so making sure that you don't just shine a flashlight on the problem, but actually create the system and the procedures to then allow it to go forward. Okay. When does worship transition into the sphere of entertainment? Boy, he's hitting on a controversial one. But I'll make this real easy. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to music. This can apply to what you look at on the internet. This can apply to what you put in your body through drugs or fluids or anything else. Here's the question. Are we commanded to walk in the spirit or the flesh? Okay. 
does, and fill in the blank. Does this website, does this product I'm putting in my system, does this music enhance the spirit or does it enhance the flesh? And somebody says, well, yeah, I kind of like some of this stuff I like looking at or I kind of enjoy some of these movies I like watching or I kind of, I, I, I don't think it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a drunk. I think I can handle some of this. And people make lots of excuses for flesh-coddling activities that enhance the flesh. And so I realize there can be different styles of music, different genres, but the minute it moves from spirit to flesh, I think at that point you've crossed the line to the entertainment model. And so I always encourage in churches, make sure that there is a true spirit-led model. And again, there, I, there's churches, and, and I know your church has great music, and, and I would call you kind of a blended church model. But there's churches that, I mean, they're really wild. And then there's churches that are very stuffy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Round mouth, God. You know, and then... <laughs> and the reality is... <laughs> if you get in the flesh and get arrogant about your gold, you can be super conservative and in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And by the way, so can the jumpy guys. Because unless you got, you know, ponytail earrings and you're just up there looking like you're half on drugs, they get all arrogant. Like, you know, what do you guys, you know, you're back from 2015. You're uncool. Okay, the, the bottom line is, is it enhancing the spirit or the flesh? And then remember, one of the things God hates more than anything, I always battle this too, we all do, is pride. Amen. We dealt with that last week. And so if you can have a humble spirit, now that doesn't mean be talented, sing well, your pastor sings well, it would be a mistake to ask me to sing at your church. I can make a joyful noise, but emphasize the noise. But the bottom line is, in doing it well, you want to have that spirit where it's reflected on him. All right. How do you deal with difficult deacons, elders, and members in the church? By the way, there there are always (laughs) difficult people. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, there's always difficult people. I mean, there's going to be difficult people in churches and workplaces and families. I mean, you know, some of you just, you know, you mentioned the holidays. You just cringe because she's coming, (laughs) you know, and it can be an aunt, an in-law, an ex. I mean, who knows? But, I mean, it's just, and and so we all live in that world. Mm -hmm. Okay. And here's a couple of thoughts. You can't control them. You can only control your response. And interestingly, the more worked up you get, you're only hurting yourself. Stress, bitterness. I mean, you know, they use this analogy. I don't disagree with it. It's like drinking poison and then hoping it kills the other guy. Mm-hmm. You're the one drinking it. You're the one all worked up. You're the one that can't sleep. You're the one with the stomach pain. And so your response is always within your control. Now, let's get practical. Some people just drive you crazy. Well, 
you may have to have some boundaries where you're around them as little as possible. Now, let's put things in the pastor's context. I would certainly encourage that people that rise up in leadership, one of the major criteria of evaluation is not their talent, certainly shouldn't be their money or their ability to do things, but what should be a major criteria is their ability to get along with others. Mm. I mean, one of the things, like when you look at the listing of like for a deacon or a pastor, elders in the Bible, mm. um, I mean, they use words like blameless. I mean, believe that's a big word. I mean, you know, I mean, and so they're, and they talk about how they deal with their own families and how they deal with, and again, it doesn't mean perfect. Uh, by the way, how many believe if it was perfect, none of us are worthy to serve? Amen. Okay, so I mean, it's not perfection, but it is somebody. And so I encourage churches, you know, they'll call me, you're not going to believe this deacon, what he's doing. Um, and I say, well, how do you ever become a deacon? Well, that's a long story. And, and, and you know, and, and so I always encourage folks, you know, maybe just slow down a little bit. I mean, if you're like, man, I'm in the most miserable marriage. Well, how'd you end up marrying her? We dated for two weeks and tied the knot. Well, how many of you seen? You probably didn't get to know her real well. And now you're in a tough spot. So I encourage folks, don't get rushing. Okay, I, I say this to churches, whether it's Sunday school teachers, leadership. Someone says, we got seats to fill. Nobody is always better than the wrong somebody. I, I, this is a sad example. I get, I get folks that say... You know, David, our youth pastor, molested underage kids. And and I'll say, oh, that's off. I mean, he's in jail. They reported the authorities. Church does everything right. But I'll say, how did that guy become your youth pastor? Well, there were some people in the church, and they were going to leave if we didn't get a youth pastor, and we were having trouble finding a candidate, and we we had some reservations. We weren't sure he was told, you know, we knew he had some pornography problems, but we thought he was better now, and we just were thinking, we just had to get somebody, and he was there. Now the church is sued for millions of dollars. Now this poor girl doesn't think there's a God. She wants to be an atheist. She hates her parents because this guy's in jail forever. His life's kind of messed up too. His poor wife says, do I come back to church or do you want me to just go somewhere else? And how many see all that heartache? It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's messy. Yeah. And I often say, and again, you, I don't come in in judgment. We all make mistakes. But I always say, boy, if it gets down to it, nobody is always better than the wrong somebody. I'd rather have a pastor say to his young parents, look, God hasn't yet brought us the right youth pastor. And until we have God's man, I'll be the youth pastor. We're just going to do what we got to do as a senior pastor. But we're not going to put somebody in there that we don't believe is God's person. And so I would encourage that whether somebody says, well, we need, you know, we need three people on the board. We need 30 people on the board. Make sure you get the right people. And don't be panicked if you have to sit for a minute and wait on the Lord to bring that person. Right. Wow. Wow. Why do so few churches execute church discipline according to Matthew 18? Uh, two reasons. Okay. Number one, they are scared of getting sued. Okay. That's one issue. And then number two, they don't want to apply it consistently. Okay, 
I mean, the problem is if somebody says, well, this guy's been naughty, and I'm being a little lighthearted here, but he's done sinful things. You know, he's been unfaithful to his wife, or he's done some stuff, he's not repentant, and we want to bring it before the church. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of other people there that have done the same stuff. We either just don't know about it, or they give enough money, we don't want to mess things up. <laughs> so it's just a lot easier to kind of just, you know, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> you know, you don't mean to keep doing that, do you, brother? <laughs> you know? Pray about it, you know. By the way, when you're in sin, how many believe you don't have to pray about it? You got a book, you can read about it. I mean, you know, you know, God did not give a book of suggestions. How many believe he gave commandments? Amen. And so that's a factor. And then the other thing I might add, and I guess this would not be a third point, is the Internet has changed the ballgame. Okay, I mean, if, if you look at it, in the old days of church, People actually left a church. You could call that blessed subtraction. They're a pain, they're gone. And if they were a real bother, they'd send a letter once. And so the pastor after him said, hey, this guy sent a bad letter. Sorry you all got that, but throw it away. Let's move on. Let's love the Lord. Today's world, nobody ever leaves. Because we have this thing called Facebook. And they're your friend online. And they're at their new church. They talk about how wonderful it is to be fed by somebody that knows the Bible. And how great the music is and how wonderful it is to be free. They're now in a church of grace and love, not law. And, and, and so we live in a world where the internet allows the dissidents that left your church to constantly harangue the good people in your church. No, that's not a Maranatha issue. That's an every church issue. Okay? So the bottom line is, with the Internet, a lot of churches are just kind of like, just be gone and don't say too much on your way out the door. Because they kind of live in fear of the Internet repercussions that could come in. And then the other issue is it used to be when you'd have church discipline. Let's say this is my church, nice group of folks. Scott my counsel, and he's a good man, but Scott's been naughty. We're going to bring it up here. We're going to talk about it, and then you're going to vote him out. Well, it used to be we do that in church. Everybody pray, feel bad, and go home. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, people get their cameras out. Facebook Live! You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to see what Scott did. You know, woo-hoo! <laughs> Scott, give us a look, a grin. <laughs> Any final comments on your way out? <laughs> do you deny being naughty? You know <laughs> We're all little journalists, you know, I mean, so we all want to, you know, we all want to deal with this stuff, and, you know, you know, look at that face, he looks sorry, I can't believe the pastor was so mean to him, you know, or whatever, okay. <laughs> oh so, my goodness. I will, I will say this to you, um, with our times having changed, uh, the practice of church discipline has become more difficult, and again, in a consumer culture... Lots of churches are really loose with who they let in. I mean, a lot of churches are full of unsaved people. So, I mean, the reality is, if, if you were to really have church discipline, I would sort of start with the biggie, do you know Jesus? And then, you know, I think I would encourage you to think about this. Again, we, we love everybody. We want everybody to come to church. But if somebody is out making comments that are contrary to the doctrine of this church... 
even if it's just their opinion. How many believe they probably shouldn't be a member of this church? And so, you know, I'm encouraging churches to, you know, make it a little harder to get into the church. I mean, make people, you know, explain their testimony and what they agree with what you believe. And then probably make it a little easier to get out of church. You know, because, I mean, do you want the future of this church to be decided by a bunch of people that don't even come? Or a bunch of people that don't even believe the book? Would you like the future of this church to be decided by folks like y'all that say, best of our ability, we know the Lord, we follow the book, we follow this man. Now let's decide the future direction of our church. That's great. What grieves your heart most as an attorney who represents churches and ministries around the country? You go to all these schools, Christian schools and churches and parachurches ministry, you've seen, you and Scott, you all have seen a lot. And when I have lunch with you or whatever, you just, I'm just sitting here awed and spellbound and just dazed from all our discussions. What grieves your heart as you move around, as you see things in the church or in the body of Christ, uh, Christian schools or whatever? The increased carnality of the church. Now, I'm not here to be judgmental or legalistic, and you're not here either. And 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 I I agree firmly. Good people can disagree and be good people. So if somebody says this is music we use, it works for us. Somebody says here's music we use. There are differences, and folks can be good folks. But when you look at what's happening in America right now, and I'm talking in the churches, there is a way higher level of carnality. Thank you for tuning into this program for the Maranatha Bible Church Broadcast Ministry. This broadcast is supported in part by your generous financial contributions, and we invite you to partner with us in spreading this important word throughout our local community and the world. If the Lord spoke to you in this message, let us know. Call us at 210-821-5683. Even better, come and visit us at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas, 78109 directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. If you'd like to order today's message, visit our website at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio and video messages. You can also find service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much, much more. Tune in tomorrow as Pastor Draper continues to teach us from the Word of God. Thank you for joining us today, and may the Lord's blessings be upon you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.